podcast uses profanity and topics may be disturbing for some listeners. Listen at your own risk. Welcome back to Hell on Heels. I'm Bryce. I'm Brianna. I'm Amanda. And howdy. Howdy, y'all. Welcome back. How are you guys? I'm doing pretty good. I actually have some good news. Jack just got soon to be an offer for General Motors, and I am beyond excited for him because we will be moving to Austin pretty soon after finals and all that jazz. Oh, exciting. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I'm really So then we will truly be in three different states. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Good thing it's not three different time zones. Oh, thank God. It's only two different time zones. Still stays as two different time zones because I messed that up for you. <laughs> Sorry. Amanda, how are you? Pretty good. Um, other than this thing not wanting to come out. But hopefully we'll know more on that Wednesday because I just, I'll, I want my body back. Get I'm going to be very upset if she comes out early and messes up that schedule we just created. The schedule that we took half an hour, (laughs) half an hour, an hour to hash out. Yes. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's not a child. So we pre-record episodes. And so currently it is November 7th, 2021. And we'll most likely be posting this in the next three weeks, four weeks for y'all. But with our next schedule, we will essentially have to post and then record, like, right after the fact. So we won't uh, Yeah, we're releasing at bad times because the holidays have really messed us up. Um, yeah. Holidays, finals. Someone's also having a baby, babies. so that's really messing us up. <laughs> yeah, that just... She's pretty... Inconsiderate, honestly. She better come out super cute. Also, Amanda, <laughs> I just wanted to say if you don't act like Rachel from Friends on this podcast and the next podcast, I will be extremely mad at you and Phoebe for that matter. Because I don't understand just... the reference. Well, Excited about your child and showing her off. No, when when oh, they were pregnant, they were both like overdue, and so they were both like extremely pissed off over every little tiny thing, and it was fucking hilarious. Oh, I'm not even overdue yet. Like technically, I'm not even due yet, and I'm pissed off. Like let's say that's already happening. What yes, talking hey, about? You know what? Take pictures of yourself because you will miss it. I've had like ten friends who have been pregnant. And they legit miss being pregnant so much. I don't know why, but are they, they okay? Really miss it. That's <laughs> the question: Is are they yeah. okay? There no, are some see, women I'm, though that really enjoy it. No, I I don't. I do not understand. I can't comprehend that. Like I just I want to be able to breathe and tie my shoes at the same time again, or like put on a sock without having but to do yoga. Your fucking husband do that for you. <laughs> What's wrong with him? Why would I ask him to do it? I can still do it. But you just said you you want to be able to do it. That means that you physically cannot do it. Yeah, I just hold my breath. It's all right. She don't have to breathe in there. She takes my oxygen. I am very much like one of the other officers at work. She's been in the kennels lately, which is where I've been for months now. 
And when she, I just, I want to go back out on the streets. I want to deal with the meth heads again. It's fun. Okay. I want to chase the dogs. It's really fun. Oh God. Oh yeah. We have a lot of, yeah. Arkansas. I was taking a drink. (laughs) I've, I've dealt with some people. Okay. That's all I was going to say. Not expecting you to say you missed a dealing with the meth heads. Oh yeah. They're great. One of them threatened to blow me up with C4. He was a blast. Girl, oh, let's go. No pun intended. Isn't isn't C4 literally the Stop energy that. powder that people use for energy? That's what Oh, I no, think. he meant explosives. Yeah, explosives. <laughs> oh, C4 is also an explosive? Yes. Mm-hmm. It was an explosive first. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, basically, the other officers, she was, like, running around so I wouldn't be able to do things. Like, she would take the scrubber and she would start scrubbing, and I'm like person i'm not gonna say your name or i was like name redacted i'm <laughs> pregnant i'm not broken it's cool like i've i've done this for months i can i can do this <laughs> calm down and she's like okay i'm sorry i'm like no i don't i don't want special treatment i just got a big ass belly right now <laughs> we did um we had one dog come in and i'm not gonna send y'all pictures because it was Bryce, what the fuck was that face <laughs> Sorry, um, the you flavor, did. the flavor of Smirnoff I'm drinking is not my favorite, but I figure <laughs> if I drink it faster, I'll be too numb to notice. Uh, you won't be able to taste it anymore. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, I can taste right now because I am sober right now. Speaking of all my drinks, I have one, two, three, four, and five. Okay, how many of those are alcohol drinks? Four of them are alcoholic. Oh, no, three of them are alcoholic. I'm sorry, three. I can't count. That's because you have multiple alcoholic drinks. You are like triple fisting. I would like to point out. This is number two on the vodka and sprites and, no, vodka and Coke, which is actually surprisingly good. But, unfortunately, the Coke has been in the fridge for... Like three days, four days. So it didn't have any carbonation left. So it made the vodka taste very. Just drink it faster and you won't taste well, it anymore. No, it, it just made it. Yeah, it just made it taste like very bad. So I had an energy drink in the fridge and that has carbonation in it. So I just poured a little bit of that in and um, I'm going to be up until 3 a.m., according to Jack. I'm just going to point out that two. Oh of my alcoholic beverages were pushed on me by my mother yesterday when I was visiting her. (laughs) I'm sorry, y'all. I'm a little bit tipsy. I'm not there yet. (laughs) Anyways. Three drinks in and you're still not there? Three. I have just opened the first... This is the first one. It's like my sixth shot of vodka. This is my. I may have to get another one before we start the podcast. Yeah, this is my first one. Um, the other two are hard seltzers, and I'm not a seltzer fan, but my mother has pushed these on me because I went up there yesterday to go visit my dog because I can't take her home yet, and um, I left with alcohol and presents from my grandma that my mom was supposed to give me months ago. So. (laughs) Honestly, my mom is the complete opposite. Like, I tried to get her on seltzers because she'll, like, drink wine and stuff. But I tried to get her on seltzers because, you know, it's, like, a lot less calories and stuff. 
she she just said yeah straight up i don't like carbonation um my mom just really wants to like seltzers and that's why she keeps giving me them because these are the ones that she can tolerate i hope we're not making you uncomfortable amanda no i was just gonna say like my mom's dead so oh well i knew that but i know it was really i know it was traumatic so (laughs) no it's okay it's okay she died like two years ago it's fine i promise (laughs) i know that some people laugh because they are uncomfortable i just wanted to let you know that i understand and i'm so sorry that you had to go through that loss yeah no, it's fine. I laugh because that's how I deal with my humor. Or, I mean, that's how I deal with my tragedy. <laughs> so I laugh and I make jokes. So I was honestly just trying not to make any jokes that make people uncomfortable because I love doing that. Well, that's why we're friends. <laughs> but, like, I just didn't want to make you uncomfortable because I know the circumstances of your mom. So No, y'all are, y'all are perfectly fine. Yeah. I'm not uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. I won't <laughs> I won't talk about my mom. No, I don't want you to not talk about your mom because of it. Like I just I don't know. It is what it is. It happened. It's over. It's okay. I did a lot of therapy and a lot of anxiety medicine. So we're good now. <laughs> <laughs> Any other updates, you guys? Uh I know Amanda, you're getting ready to have the baby in what? A week and a half? Two weeks? Nine days. A week and a half? Ish. Yes. Oh. Something like that. Hopefully nine days. Okay. Congratulations. <sighs> Thank you. Don't congratulate me until it's over because I don't know when she's going to decide to. Well, apparently it... it's cold outside and it's warm in here. So stop that. <laughs> I have long I sleeve was... onesies and lots I was of blankets. about to take a drink again. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> All right. There's no other updates. Okay. Y'all tell me a story. It's not my turn. I don't have to do shit this week. Oh, shit. It's my story. <laughs> Let's go. Indy Star, otherwise known as Indianapolis Star, the source for Indiana News, calls it, quote, the most enduring nightmare in Indianapolis true crime history. This is the story of the murder and torture of 16-year-old Sylvia Likens. Y'all can go ahead and view pictures one and two. Picture two is essentially just picture one, but it's been colorized. On October 26, 1965, Indianapolis police were called to a home on New York Street. There, they found a body of a 16-year-old girl named Sylvia Likens. She was later discovered in the coroner's report to have 150 wounds on her body. I don't like that. Okay. I know. It's crazy. Weekly ViewNet reports her death was, quote, due to massive brain swelling and hemorrhaging. A little bit of backstory. Her parents, Betty and Lester Likens, loved their children. Lester is reported to have multiple jobs here and there to ensure his kids had a roof over their head. Lester and Betty had five kids in total, and Sylvia was born as the middle child between two sets of twins, Jenny and Benny, age 15, and Diana and Daniel, age 18. Lester and his wife went through some rough patches, including one night he came home and noticed his kids 
waiting at Mrs. Gertrude Banaszewski, and I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Banaszewski, maybe, her house, who said that his wife, Betty Likens, was in jail, though multiple sources say Jenny claims Betty was a good mother, regardless of this incident. He left his kids overnight at Gertrude's house to retrieve his wife from jail, and when he returned, nothing seemed out of the ordinary. It was just a typical night at the neighbor's house. Now, I'm not exactly sure the date of that occurrence. I couldn't find it in the news sources. But shortly after, in July of 1965, Lester and Betty left on a carnival tour. They both worked at this point at the carnival and it was kind of a traveling carnival, so they just left on tour. It was, yeah, it was just kind of typical at that time. I, I would love to be a carny, so that would be fun. <laughs> what type of carny would you be? A uh, bearded lady. <laughs> I was going to ask you if it was going to be a bearded lady. <laughs> They left Sylvia and her sister Jenny with Gertrude, paying her $20 a week, which is worth about $170 a week today. $175 a week today. My bad. However, Gertrude Banaszewski had seven children of her own, and according to multiple sources, barely took care of them as it was. Seven children is far too many. Yes. Think about taking care of seven children, not being able to take care of them, then tasked with taking care of two others. You've got nine children. Nine total. children is in a house. far too many. Yeah, but yeah. you're getting paid for those two kids. So I expect you, I unfortunately know this story, but I expect you to, you know, put a little care into it. This is your job now. <sighs> but if no one's there, she, her boss does not regulate her obviously so she's just getting away with getting paid and still doesn't want the extra work of the kids well she sounds like a shit show maybe she is (laughs) she was now according to indie star quote what happened afterward said spurgeon davenport the indianapolis police department homicide chief and a 35 year officer was, and this is his quote inside of the quote, the most sadistic act I ever came across, end quote. When investigating further, police found that at least 10 people, including Gertrude, had beaten and tortured Sylvia over a three to four week period. According to Joyce Carol Oates from the New York Times, Sylvia was, quote, routinely scalded, kicked, beaten with a paddle, punched, and branded with burning cigarettes, end quote. Joyce also says that more than 25 children in the neighborhood had seen Sylvia being beaten, yet no one called the authorities, called the police, anyone. So they're all shitheads. Every last one of them. Yeah. When you think about it, though, they're only kids. But if they're not Gertrude's, they're kind of shit. Did he anyways, because so, who raises them to in do that? the source that I read, I forget which source it was, but apparently one of these beatings was public, and the kids who saw it told Gertrude that, like, that wasn't okay, and Gertrude 
proceeded to tell them that that's what happens when you receive a punishment. And so Gertrude was essentially poisoning like all of these kids who were actually seeing these crimes happen. She was also poisoning Sylvia and Jenny as well. So just typical abuse, Abuser. mental, physical, yeah. Jesus. Now, there are different reasons as to why the abuse might have started to occur. According to Indie Star, Gertrude Banaszewski told police that Sylvia had spread rumors at the high school that two of her daughters went to, saying that they were prostitutes. History 101 says the torturing began after Lester sent in a late check and did not send in the $20 that he had promised every month. But this really doesn't explain why Sylvia was the only one who was abused and not both of the Likens girls. So Murderpedia says that it started due to the check, then further escalated when Banaszewski's children told their mother that they, quote, were disgusted with the amounts of food they had seen Sylvia eaten, and Gertrude told Sylvia that she was angry that Sylvia would do something to ruin her physical appearance and forced the girl to eat a hot dog piled with condiments. When Sylvia vomited, Banaszewski forced her to scoop the vomit up and devour it. End quote. That's disgusting. It's so sad. I mean, can you even imagine a 16-year-old girl being forced to scoop up her own vomit and eat it? I can't imagine anyone doing that. Like, you're saying... I mean, she's just a kid at this point, too. Like, I'm confused. So she got mad that she was eating so much that she made her eat more? So, from what I understand, she was first angry at both of the girls because Lester, their dad, was late to deliver the check. So she paddled the girls. And then multiple occurrences just started happening. Just random occurrences that made the girls kind of look bad in a light. And Gertrude just flipped shit. She just completely, like... I don't even know. She just went on edge. I really didn't research Gertrude all that much, but she may have had some psychological trauma due to her parents or something like that, saying, you know, like, oh, you need to keep up your physical physique. But other than that, yeah, that's really all you have. I mean, she literally forced her to scoop up her own vomit and eat it. God. Yeah, it's terrifying. Lester and Betty Likens came back to check on their children multiple times throughout their tour, but at this time, Sylvia and Jenny were threatened by Banaszewski with torture or other means to say, not to say anything. And so they didn't say anything because they were terrified that this woman would torture them again. Honestly, this breaks my heart because if Sylvia or Jenny told their parents that Sylvia was being abused, it seems as though their parents would have come home right away because, as I said before, Lester did everything he could to support his family and Jenny reported Betty to be a good mother. But I, they're, they're, they were groomed. Yeah. They don't know. 
I get that, but they were they were groomed to tell them that. So multiple incidences occurred that could have been reported to the authorities before everything unfolded, such as in August of 1965 when a couple named Phyllis and Raymond Vermillion moved in next door and invited the Banaszewski family over for a barbecue. Phyllis saw Sylvia with a black eye and, according to Murdopedia, quote, Paula, or one of Gertrude's daughters, proudly announced to Phyllis that she was the one who had given it to her. Then, under Banaszewski's supervision, Paula approached Sylvia with a glass of steaming water and threw it in Sylvia's face, end quote. So, what the fuck? What? Going back to the New York Times quote that she was scalded and beaten with a paddle. Think of burning hot water, scalding water being poured onto your face. Like, this poor girl was, I mean, completely demonized because... I don't know, Gertrude just had a grudge towards her. Two months later, Phyllis went to the Banaszewski house to borrow something and noticed Sylvia's swollen lips and black swollen shut eye. Paula then proceeded to beat Sylvia in front of Phyllis within the matter of minutes she was there with her belt. And Phyllis neglected to report any of this to the authorities. She didn't report anything, not the scalding hot water, not the black eye at the barbecue, not the swollen shut black eye at the at the house, not the swollen lip, literally nothing. She didn't report anything. Which is just so sad because it so much could have been prevented to this poor girl. I know. Yeah. It really could have. Another instance occurred when Sylvia went dumpster diving for old soda bottles to resell for money to, from what I understand, buy herself candy. When she comes home, what happened next will shock you, and the following may be uncomfortable for some listeners, so please be advised. When Sylvia gets home, Banaszewski accused her of prostitution. She then forces Sylvia to strip naked in the living room in front of her sons and other boys from the neighborhood. This quote is from Murderpedia. Quote, once fully naked, Banaszewski handed her a glass Coca-Cola bottle, and forced Sylvia to masturbate with it for the boys. End quote. Watching. Oh my god, I can't. It's terrifying, and it's so sad. The- it's humiliating in every way possible. Uh-huh. And that they knew it was. That's the worst part about it, is Gertrude knew. Mm-hmm. And ugh. After this happens... Sylvia became incontinent, and as a result, Banaszewski decided that she was no longer fit to live with humans and put her in the basement. Which is just normal, unfortunately, for people that are going through that amount of trauma trauma and abuse. Yeah, like, this is your fault, woman. Literally that amount of abuse. I mean, think about being, like, 16 years old and being forced to think about being any years old and being forced to put a coca-cola bottle literally no no and there was no toilet in the basement so sylvia was forced to defecate and urinate on the floor due to this 
Banaszewski began a bathing regimen to cleanse Sylvia, which consisted of filling a bathtub with scalding water. She bound Sylvia's wrists and ankles, then started dunking Sylvia into the scalding water. Following the baths, Paula Banaszewski, her daughter, would rub handfuls of salts over Sylvia's nude body. Oh, she's that she's injured. Oh my god. Sometimes this would happen multiple di- times a day and sometimes this would not happen at all during the day. And Sylvia was put on display as a money-making opportunity for the Banaszewski children on the days she was not bathed and according to Murderpedia again, quote, kept constantly naked and rarely fed, end quote. During this time, Diana, Jenny and Sylvia's older sister, got some disturbing calls from the house and heard the girls saying something was terribly wrong. At first, she just thought that they were exaggerating, but when the calls kept coming, she went over there herself. Banaszewski refused to let her in, claiming Lester told her not to, Lester being the dad. Diana, now concerned that something might seriously be wrong, contacted social securities and sent a social worker over to the house. However, when the social worker got there, Jenny told her that Sylvia had run away. And according to Indianapolis Monthly, this was due to the fact that Gertrude threatens punishment if she told the social worker anything. Which is just a completely different type of torture for this other, like, for her sister. Yeah, having to watch Sylvia go through what she did. And then Mm -hmm. also, she was terrified to go through it herself. Yeah. Like, you can't even protect your own sister because you're that afraid. Fortunately, on May 19th, 1966, Gertrude Banaszewski was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to 20 years in prison. While her daughter, Paula Banaszewski was found guilty of second-degree murder. In 1971, the Indiana Supreme Court granted Gertrude and Paula a new trial due to prejudicial atmosphere. Gertrude was convicted again of first-degree murder on August 5th of 1971, and Paula pleaded guilty to voluntary manslaughter and served only two years in prison. Only two years? years. What the fuck? Why? Because she pled guilty to voluntary manslaughter. But she was such a big part of the abuse. She should have been charged with murder as well. Yeah. But because she was underage and technically under the influence of her mother, she essentially got like a lesser trial. Plus the fact that she had already served five years in prison before this as well. I know. It's, tried for murder. it's hell, right? Yeah, that's not, I don't, okay. five years before this retrial. In December of 1985, Gertrude was released on parole and changed her name to Nadine Van Fossen, moving to Iowa where she lived Nadine in obscurity. Nadine Van Fossen? Nadine Van Fossen. Nadine Van Fossen. Where in the absolute hell did that come from? Exactly, where did that name come from? I have no idea. Like, I feel like she's trying to be German or something. Banaszewski is, what, Polish, possibly? I don't know. It could be Polish. It could be some other European country, but 
essentially she changed her name completely so that no one would recognize her after well, she got on parole. They and then found she, her. And she died from lung cancer on June 16th of 1990. According to Indianapolis Monthly, others who were charged include John Benazuski, age 12, convicted of manslaughter and served two years, Coy Hubbard, convicted of manslaughter for, quote, using Sylvia as a practice dummy for judo flips and punches oh and shoving her down the basement stairs. Oh, my and, God. And Richard Hobbs, convicted of manslaughter, serving two years for carving the words, quote, I am a prostitute and proud of it, end quote. Oh, my God. Into Sylvia's stomach with a large needle. All of these kids only served two years in prison because they were underage not an excuse don't you carved her like a turkey that's not not even like freaking it was almost it was like um 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 oh what's the thing they do to cattles with the brand like he he might as well have branded her he also was branded with cigarette butts as quoted by new york times See, that's oh. just like when you're that age, when you're that old, you were you were fucking teenagers. Like, okay, I understand you your mom's doing all this shit, but, but even you at that know better. Richard Hobbs isn't her child. Neither is Yeah, Coy he was Hubbard, one of the but according to sources, Richard Hobbs was actually her quote unquote lover and she seduced him so that he was about 18 at the time she was 37 i want to say maybe maybe he was 21 but if he he was was if he was an adult at the time what why was he only given a two-year sentence that makes no fucking sense he is sadistic maybe maybe he was 17 well then he was just but even at that age because i think that so she was 37 at the time he was roughly about 16 and according to sources, he was under the influence of her because she had seduced him. As you can tell by everything that happens to Sylvia and to Jenny, the traumatic experience that happened to her sister, you know, she was very controlling over certain things. And so she was able to essentially control him. But I unfortunately didn't get any quotes or anything from him. Due to the fact that he just didn't want anything to do with it after this. Also, at the same time, they're old enough to know right from wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, 16. I know at 16, I knew right from wrong. And they still did that regardless of what Gertrude was manipulating them into. Not one of those kids said anything or did anything to help her. It honestly makes me wonder, like, what else did you do? Like, you don't, you don't just live 40 years on this earth and all of a sudden you're like, I don't like that little girl. Let's, let's make her eat vomit and scald her in hot ass baths followed by the salt rubs. Like, that's not, that's, that's not fucking normal. No. So from what I read, Gertrude was extremely close to her mother and her father died when she was a very young age between 10 and 15 and she was very close to her mother but her mother wasn't the best to her 
I couldn't really find any sources really explaining what her mother did to her. I just kind of found sources saying that her mother was not very nice to her or she, I mean, not beat her, but she kind of treated her indifferently as -hmm. if she didn't actually exist, but she was still there. It's still, I, I don't understand, don't understand the psychology behind it because it makes no sense. Like, mm-hmm. Gertrude, Gertrude was just, why target this one girl? Why? Wh- like, what did she do to you? Because she's 16, and we all know teenagers are fucking crazy. And so, like, obviously she's gonna freaking probably get on your nerves, but literally she's a teenager. She is a, fu- you don't do that to humans. Like, you just, ugh. Yeah, no, it, also, by the way, please go ahead and view the last five, um, pictures. The first, the number three and four are, um, well, three is Lester and Betty, four is Jenny and Betty, five is the Beniziski house, six is Gertrude and Hobbs, and Fifth is all of those who were convicted, including Paula Beniziski, on the right top. Is she smiling? She looks like she's smiling. Yes, I was just going to say that. So you're telling me this smug-ass bitch got off with two years. I mean, a total of seven. But regardless, she's got a smug-ass grin on her fucking face. Mm -hmm. And you're going to tell me she got away with seven years i really like they should have put that in the evidence but like she's smiling in her mugshot yes does this look like in what was it involuntary manslaughter no voluntary manslaughter i just want to clarify because paula pled guilty and she decided to go with whatever the sentence that the prosecution had for her at that time she was given a lesser sentence but regardless, that was way too little. I agree. I completely and utterly agree. But because she was able to essentially sit on trial for her mother, she was given a lesser sentence because she wasn't in a trial herself. But I agree. It's completely and utterly sadistic. The entire thing, literally what the deputy said at the very beginning, is completely and utterly sadistic. Horrible. And they are horrible human beings. All of them. Every last one. Not Jenny. I She was oh, traumatized. Yeah, We're not including her in this. Mm-mm. No, definitely not. You can never just like get your head out of this type of stuff, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. yes, Bryce, I agree with you. Like they should have known at this age not to traumatize or not to be able to be like abused by this woman. But when I was 16... It's necessarily that, though. More the the bystanders that didn't say anything is what I'm saying. They know right from wrong. The people that participated in her abuse knew right from wrong. The kids that did that. But when you think about it, like, if it's, for example, your mother, I mean, that's what she teaches you, you know? And so you don't necessarily have, like, another, a guardian angel, maybe kind of telling you like right from wrong it's like 
oh, well, this is what my mother does and she loves me and I believe in her and this is what I should be doing because my mother does it and I love her and I believe in her, you know? Well, not even just that, though, because kids, kids that weren't in the family were participating in the abuse and they mm-hmm. should have known right from wrong as well. Gertrude was very manipulative and I'm, I'm not sticking up for her whatsoever, so please... Please don't think that I'm doing that. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate. But as I said previously, Gertrude told like multiple people that this is what happens if you need a punishment or this is what happens if, you know, you do something wrong or something along those lines. And honestly, it's fucking terrifying. I get that. But also there were adults that had to have known. They had to have had their suspicions. The neighbor. And Raymond. The neighbors, yeah. yeah. They had to, and they didn't do anything. They are just as liable for what happened to Sylvia as anybody else in that situation because they did nothing. Honestly, it's the saddest thing, and I could go into so many more stories and haunt y'all for your fucking life, but I decided not to, so I apologize for that. But I think that the stories that I told definitely talked about the just horrific incidents that Sylvia had to go through and honestly Jenny as well she unfortunately ended up dying in 2004 she was traumatized for her entire life due to what happened to her younger sister and I mean who wouldn't be yeah she had to watch it happen Mm -hmm. yeah god wait I thought Jenny was younger than her than Sylvia or was Sylvia the younger one no 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 you're you're completely right Jenny was a roughly about a year younger than Sylvia but Sylvia was murdered in 1965 due to everything that had happened brain hemorrhaging and she if I remember correctly wasn't she found in the basement chained up like hanging from her wrists or is that a different story No, Sylvia was found that way. Jenny was found... Jenny was not said to be tortured. Right, I meant Sylvia. Yeah. Sylvia was found with massive brain swelling and hemorrhaging. And she was dead by the time the Indianapolis police got to her on October 26, 1965. And Jenny was essentially said to not have been tortured that's what i understand maybe not tortured physically literally mentally i mean can you imagine oh hell no Mm -mm, no fucking way at the very least gertrude didn't like force jenny to physically abuse her own blood sister you know but at the same time the amount of damage that jenny must have had to go through just knowing that that was happening, just, it terrifies me. And I'm sure she had to deal with the, you know, the survivor's guilt. Like, why my sister? Why not me? Which is a whole nother ball game of torture and trauma. Oh, Bryce, going back to what you were saying, Sylvia died in, <laughs> I see your face. I'm like, what did I say? I don't <laughs> remember. Sylvia died in 1965 due to the tragic occurrences that happened at the Benazuski house. However, Jenny went on living after that, 
and died in 2004. The entire story just gives me the creeps. I mean, I can't even imagine what kind of torture that I didn't read could have occurred because the things oh. that I did read, honestly, y'all, were beyond a doubt the most disturbing, terrifying, traumatizing things that I've ever read. I can't even imagine experiencing them. There's just, I know there's a lot more that happened to her. And I know that because Amanda and I both know the story mm-hmm. and it's, it's, rough. Oh. it's as rough I said, one. I didn't want to get into a lot, a lot of detail just because a lot of the stories were just so terrifying and horrific. The stories that I did tell kind of explains just the massive just the amount of trauma that she went through and in a way just kind of the the timeline as to how horrific it got and how fast. I don't like it. Yeah. That was heavy. Uh-huh. Does your shirt flip people off? It does. Would you Can would we you see like? it? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Lighten the mood a little bit. <laughs> Do you need a better video of it? Hold on. Let's just Yeah, there you go. There. Okay. Right on my boob. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. I've been wanting to ask you that like the whole thing, but I was like, this this is the best time right now. I was going to show you (laughs) I wore this specifically so I could flip someone off today without actually having (laughs) to flip someone off. So Well, that's for Gertrude and all of the little shit stains. Hold on for Gertrude and the shit stains. Hold on. Stop. (laughs) Wrinkling shirt. Oh gosh. Don't lick me. That's disgusting. <laughs> that would be me yelling at my dog to not lick me. He just got my whole elbow. <laughs> disgusting. Licked your weenus. <laughs> hey, do y'all want to see my weenus? That's a nice looking weenus. Yeah, that's a great looking weenus. I know. I know. Mine is, mine's wet. See, I know what y'all are talking about. Wait, why is yours wet? Oh, you missed that. My dog just came and licked my freaking elbow. Oh. Oh. Okay. I see you, girl. I I was yelling at the dog, okay? (laughs) Okay, are you guys ready for my story? Yes. I don't know. Um, Am I? Let's go. It's going to be a wild ride, mostly for the fact that you guys have heard it, but I haven't read my notes since I first told you guys. And since we're not releasing that episode and I have not had time this week, we're doing it again. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I've been painting cabinets. Actually, I've been removing paint from cabinets all week. And so I have not had time to do the proper. You've been unpainting cabinets? Uh Uh-huh. So I can paint them. What? Have you been sanding them? No, we used a chemical. Oh, that was the chemical you were talking about. Yeah, so we used a paint stripper and now I'm painting them today. Okay, got you. All right, I'm with you. I'm with you. Okay. All right, well, let's get into it. Um, So I am going to be talking about the old Tooele Hospital or Asylum 49. I did put two pictures on the drive. You guys are welcome to go look at them now. I don't care. There's only two pictures. It's just a building. Uh, Like I said, I have not looked at these notes in over a month. And so I don't remember what's in here. So let's just hope for the best. We're talking about the old Tooele Hospital, and this is a a hospital in Tooele, Utah. 
it's about an hour and a half ish drive from me so it's not terribly far and i'm ripping my paper time out hold on what just happened so some of the history of the land. Um, I did actually read a book on this. Of course, when I find a book, I'm gonna read it. Um, and in the book, it actually said that in 1894, the settlers, they kind of set their roots in Tooele in that area. And there was already a Goshu tribe there. There were clashes between the natives and the settlers. And the settlers began accusing the Goshu of cattle rushing. I don't remember what cattle rushing is. I feel like I Googled it way back when, but they were cattle rushing. I think it's when you steal cattle. Sounds right. I think they were. We'll just say that. Anyways, that's what the settlers were accusing the Goshutes of. And that kind of gave them cause to be more aggressive towards the Goshu people. The tribes people were being attacked by the settlers and so on and so forth. Um, they did eventually end up kind of coming to a peace I wouldn't say it's a peace treaty. The Goshutes got their land. They went to their reservation. All of that horrific stuff with the Native Americans. So there was that. In 19... Not 19. Too soon. Too recent. In 1873, a residence was constructed by Samuel F. Lee. In 1913, it was converted into a home for the elderly. It says it was converted... But also, I can't tell if it was demolished and rebuilt. So I'm not sure. I'm going with converted. Um, and this home for the elderly in 1913 was dubbed the County Poorhouse. So it's kind of like not the greatest place. Elderly, uh, mentally disabled, that type of stuff would go there. Um, in 1953, the County Poorhouse was converted into the Tooele Hospital. And so that is where it comes into the old Tooele Hospital. The structure totals 216,000 square feet. So it's it's a big structure. Again, I'm not sure if they've demolished things or if they've just added on. It's not very clear in anything that I read. During its time as a hospital, there was no morgue, um, but they did have a room that they just kind of designated to put the deceased patients in. Which is one theory as to why this place is so haunted. Because the bodies were not properly preserved. Things like that. But that's one theory. And then another theory is that it's because it's across from a graveyard. Now some people believe graveyards can be haunted and some people don't. I know for my husband personally, he does not think graveyards can be haunted. Um, and that's specifically because it's blessed ground. So it's whatever you believe, but no morgue, hospital across the street. And also with there being no morgue, that means that they waited until an examiner or like the whoever could come and actually the coroner could come and pick up the bodies. And that not that was not necessarily every single day. Oh, yeah. So there's a chance you've got bodies just there for days. The old... Tooele Hospital eventually closed in the early 2000s um, and it was converted back into a rest home. So we now have some elderly folks living there, living out their lives. And in 2006, Asylum 49 opens. Now, Asylum 49 took up 38,000 square feet in part of the old hospital and then the other part was the rest home. And Asylum 49 is a haunted house. So it's a haunted attraction for Utah. 
I still feel bad for these poor old folks living in this insane, or not an insane asylum, I'm sorry, living in this home, and then you've got utter chaos next door. Only during Halloween season. From what I, it's in the same building, right? I mean, what? I mean, technically they, I understand that they can't hear it, but at the same time, like, you know that it's going on, you know, like if you, if you like, I don't know, hear voices or like see people or whatever, like. Would you like I, me to make it worse? Because this exactly, isn't just like a yeah, rest. It just make it worse. Like, <laughs> what? Why would they not? What's going on? This? It's, it's like, not- hey, Grams, how are you? Sorry to cut this visit short. I got to go to this haunted house. Okay, but let's make this a little worse because this is like a rest home for people with Alzheimer's and dementia. Literally, that would make it a thousand times worse. Well, someone who has Alzheimer's literally coming into there and then just like being told, hey, by the way, next door, like we've got a haunted house or whatever, because like this asylum is like supposed to be haunted. (laughs) And then like literally like five, I don't know, like at bedtime or whatever, 10 o'clock, you know, you like fucking. You are triggered. I. I don't even know. Like, it just, it just, I, I can't. I can't. Well, it happened. I did not control it, but that's how it worked. It happens. And before oh, anyone God. else freaks out, there was a door that was like the line oh of God, demarcation. It's okay. It's okay. Thank there was God, door. there was a door. <laughs> a locked door for the line of oh demarcation. God, it was, it was a lock- Door, so it's okay. So the, that the elderly sounds, people could not wander. Because there was a door. You couldn't hear the sounds. There was a door, y'all. That it's is okay. not, it's that all is good. not what I'm saying. Oh, I'm just but it was a locked door too. That's so it's not, okay. I did not say anything about sound. I'm saying the door was the line of demarcation from the haunted house and the elderly home, and people could not cross that threshold because it was locked. So it's but not it like doesn't a, matter. Like you Literally, you could have fucking heard those sounds, like, from every single bedroom. It doesn't even matter if there was just a fucking locked door. Like, place. even, like, at my apartment, there was a locked door. Like, literally, not not even. There's a locked door right here on the other fucking side. Well, two walls over. But there's actually three walls. There's three walls over a fucking locked door on the other side. And I swear to God, the people in my apartment can literally hear me tapping on the fucking door right now and screaming to the top of my lungs. But also, I want to point out that this whole facility was over 200,000 square feet. So I'm fairly certain there was enough separation between the rest home and the haunted house that they couldn't hear anything. How many, how tall was it? I have no idea. That is an excellent question, and I would but, love to Google it for you. I, but I don't know. Well, what I'm saying is that by the height, I feel like you are able to, you know, in a way kind of tell, like, or by the height of the ceiling, you know, I feel like it's a little bit harder to kind of gauge like the sounds level so like if it's if the ceiling is a lot lower it's really easy to say be able to like i don't know this is just from my personal experience 
But if the ceiling is lower, it's a lot harder to be able to not hear the people in the room next to you. But if the ceiling is a lot higher... The rooms are not adjoining, though. It is not like the elderly people share a wall with the haunted house patrons. There is enough separation between the two that the elderly patients are not hearing the screaming. At least that is what I am telling myself. Okay. I also don't think that the rest home took up the other hundred thousand plus square feet. I think they only had a small section as well. So I'm fairly certain that there was dead space in the hospital at the time. That was just dead space. No one owned it. It was there. I'm sure someone owned it, but there were no patients or people going through there. Okay. Okay. And to answer your question, the owner is Kim Anderson and Cammie Anderson, his wife. Thank you for answering my question. Thank you for answering my question because I'm judging them now. (laughs) Literally, yeah. It's their fault. It's not. Whoever sold it to them, it's their fault. Okay. Anyways. That was in 2006. (laughs) Anyways. So in 2006, that opens. Now, in 2007, Yugo, or Utah Ghost Organization, investigates, and they reportedly get thousands of EVPs and pictures that can't be explained, and according to everything I can find, those are supposed to be online. I cannot fucking find them online. I could not find them anywhere, and I spent hours looking. So, (laughs) I can find a couple things, but I'm not finding thousands of things. Okay, so that's Yugo. I also can't find Yugo anywhere online anymore. So maybe that's why. I don't know. Maybe they rebranded. That was 2007. And then in 2011, Zach Baggins. Baggins? Baggins. I don't know. Zach. Whoever. So with Ghost Adventures. um, They actually do an investigation of just the 38,000 square feet that is Asylum 49. They go in and they get a whole bunch of stuff, which I will talk about later on. But they do that for that investigation. And then sometime around the end of 2016, 2017, somewhere in this time frame, so y'all can calm your tatas, the rest home closes. Okay, so Woo! there are no longer yes. patients living that there. That is beyond a doubt the most satisfying thing of this entire story. It was still operating as a rest home to and a haunted house for 10 years, though. What the fuck? All right. So, anyways, no. obviously it worked for 10 years. Okay. Calm it your tatas. Worked. It worked. It worked. Okay. For 10 years. For 10 years. Well, when the elderly home closes down, Asylum 49 goes, cool, and they buy the whole property. So, now they now own the full... 200,000 square feet. That's a lot of square feet to be a haunted house. I don't think they use the whole thing. I think they expanded. I don't think they use the whole thing for the haunted house. Okay, true, true. I haven't been through. I don't know. In 2017, Zach, Zach Baggins, Baggins, Zach Bilbo, I don't know his name, whatever. He comes back for a second investigation. That is how haunted this place is. Zach felt like he needed to come back for a second time. So I'm just saying. Anyway, so he comes back for a second investigation. Oh, and at this time, it's Asylum 49 is operating as a full contact haunted house. Which, yes, it is. You have to sign a waiver. And that means that they're going to grab your ass and drag your ass around. That was prior to COVID. 
However, I'll with go. COVID, Amanda's saying no, no, no. I'll I'll fucking go. Let's. Well, we can go now, Amanda, because now they give you like levels. Like you can choose to be touched or not touched or dragged around. So. So now with COVID, they will wear a mask when they drag your ass off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're, I'm in Utah, but guys. But at the same time, like, can ghosts really get COVID? I mean... We're not concerned about the ghosts. We're concerned about the actor to patron content here where people yes. are going to be touching me and I don't want their cooties. I yeah. don't care. I don't like if when I'm, people I know house, I better be getting the whole fucking motherfucking thing. I don't I like when my family to touches me, okay? Much less some stranger in a big-ass ghost baby costume, okay? No. Okay, literally, when I was 15 years old, went to a haunted house with, like, four other girls or whatever, like, my four best friends from high school. We literally, we made our fucking parents sign the waiver. Like, I don't even give a shit. Yes, I want to be, like, fucking creeped the fuck out to the max. Like, I don't even give a shit. Let's go. Here's the thing is I'm fine with haunted houses. I just don't want people touching me. That's all. It, Cody and I will laugh through yes. it, the entire haunted house. It is hilarious. Just don't fucking touch me. That's it. Yes. That's the same. I don't care if I'm going through a haunted house or just like yeah. a freaking tour of something like a museum. Don't fucking touch me. That's all. It yeah. comes to. Don't fucking touch me. Okay. So another thing mm -hmm. that was really weird that happened while the nursing home was still open that they noticed was that deaths would happen in threes. So if one patient went, they were always expecting two more to go. And the weird thing about that is that three is the devil's number. Everything happened in threes. There are reports of being scratched and it was always three marks. And then activity always happened at 3 a.m., which is the devil's hour. Um, which I did not know that because that was after, that was 12 hours after Christ was nailed to the cross. So 12 hours later is the devil's hour. Three. Wait, three hours, three a.m. is said to be uh -huh. the devil's hour? That's crazy because I literally It's also considered the witching hour. So you got a lot of things yep. going on. Mm, there you have witch. it. There you go. <laughs> so that's, that's the history. I'm going to give you guys the option. We can either go into the ghosts or you guys can hear about ghost adventures and what they saw while they were there in both instances. What do you want to hear first? I want to hear about the ghosts first. Yeah, I definitely want to hear about the ghosts and that way we know like what the ghost hunters Um, I don't think they adventures. necessarily knew what they were seeing, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first ghost. Like I said, I haven't read these notes since I first told you guys about it. So it's going to be an adventure. First ghost is Ghost Robert. Robert, he's tall and broad and tends to show himself in shadow form. He's often seen with a cane walking across the hallway. And Robert has a sense of humor and can often be told uh, or can often be heard telling jokes on EVPs. So he's my kind of ghost. Um, and he also likes to jump out and scare bystanders. Yeah, I so like, I like Robert. Robert's That's my kind of ghost. <laughs> Jumping out Robert's a fun people. dude. <laughs> he knows how to make an afterlife a party. Next is the nurse in white. So while this was operating as a rest home, 
nurses would go to like check on the patients and the patients would say, oh, the nurse in white already checked on me. And the nurses are like, "Mm, we don't have nurses that wear white here. So I don't know who checked on you, but it wasn't one of us. Not what I want to hear as a patient in um, any hospital. I mean, at least they're honest and being like, listen, we don't have nurses in white. So if she comes back, tell her no. True, but why did she do a catheter then? I don't think she was doing catheter. <laughs> I <laughs> hope she was. Okay, my question is, is she like actually nice to the patients or whatever? Or does she just like give them, you know, false diagnoses? Like, oh, well, you've got schizophrenia. So like, I'm going to get a uh, shot. That's my understanding. She's you know, nice. But she also, nurses don't give the diagnoses. Technically, it's the doctors that do. Um, yeah, so if a nurse ever comes up and says, this is your diagnosis, maybe talk to your doctor first. Especially because it might be a ghost. Just saying. There is a man in black. And nurses say they see this man in black. And they describe him as a shadow figure. um, But they can see him cross. Or this is one instance where they see him cross the wall into a patient's room. And when the staff goes to check on that patient. Immediately after they see that black figure cross into the patient's room. The door is locked to the patient's room. And they actually have to call maintenance to have the door physically removed because they can't get in. And by the time they get in, the patient has passed away. And so it could be a coincidence, but they do think that this man in black is actually killing people. Yeah, I would prefer the catheter from the nurse in white. What if she does it wrong? (laughs) I'll still prefer it. I would prefer a catheter up the back to death. So That kind of reminds me of the... Death Angel from American Horror no. Story. Y'all have seen that, right? No. What I'm talking I about. I think both Amanda and I have said this <laughs> oh, a couple times. We haven't yeah. gotten into American Horror Story. Yeah. No. Oh, right. I keep forgetting. I don't even know. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. You have to watch it. Just even like the first season will get you hooked. So you just watch the first season. No thanks. All in all. <laughs> there is Samuel F. Lee. He is the one that supposedly originally built the property as a residence. So he is said to be hanging around there. Um, And they actually say that this is because his son Thomas died on the property when his son was six to eight. And that also means that Thomas is there. So Samuel doesn't really respond or like to show himself very often. But good old Thomas is taking a note out of Robert's book here. And Thomas likes to play pranks on the living. So he likes to jump out and scare people and play pranks on them. Again, my type of ghost. It's fine. It is believed that there are several photos that Samuel has shown up in. Again, can't find the photos. I don't, I don't know. These are reported. Along with good old Thomas, there are several children ghosts that like to play. And the most notable one is Sarah. Sarah is my favorite child ghost. And so she's the only one I'm going to mention. Um, mostly because I didn't write down any other <laughs> ghost, children ghost, but I have a note saying she is my favorite. So we're going to go with it. Sarah <laughs> likes to, she likes to really join in on the fun too. She likes to hide under the beds and grab people's ankles as part of the haunted house. So she is very involved in Asylum 49 and she's like, I am down. Let's scare them. Sarah can go to hell. <laughs> Love that girl. <laughs> no, She's just like having fun. I already am uncomfortable 
I'm already uncomfortable with these people touching me, but now I'm going to get grabbed and I'm going to look and there's not going to be a people there. Be a Sarah Hell there. no. Girl, I don't my want her there. Is rushing. I'm going to be like pumped up. Someone's going to grab my ankles. I'm going to look down. No one was there. I just experienced a ghost encounter. Holy shit. My mind is blown. Well, hopefully, uh, right? That's the I, I guess. I guess. Um, so that's Sarah. Again, she's my type of ghost. She likes to play pranks. And then there is Wes. Ugh, I don't like Wes's story. That's why he's at the bottom. Wes was a patient of the nursing home. He suffered from Alzheimer's in life, and in death, he wanders around scared and confused, so they believe he's still suffering from Alzheimer's in death. So they don't know if he understands that he's dead or what. Um, He typically stays pretty close to his room, but also that's because when he leaves his room, there is a black shadow figure that, like, taunts him. And I'm going to say is a bully. This other ghost is a bully to Wes. A medium tried helping him cross, and that's how they knew that there was a dark entity or shadow or whatever that would kind of taunt Wes when he was out of his room. And that's how we actually have a lot of these different names is through mediums, in case you were wondering. Um, so that's that's Wes for you. And then... That's heartbreaking. Uh-huh. I don't like Wes's story because it's sad. But we're going to move on to Jeremy because his is just as sad too. So Jeremy is a ghost. He is disfigured from severe burns on his face and arms and all of that stuff. It didn't say about how he got the burns, anything like that. And if it did, I just don't remember how he got them. But the new owner, Kim Anderson, said something about him in kind of a negative way. I think he was calling him some nickname that Jeremy did not like. And Jeremy does not like Kim Anderson, the new owner of Asylum 49, because of the things that, uh, that Kim calls him. But Kim also did not know... His name was Jeremy. So in his defense, he didn't know. Anyways. But did he apologize? I believe he, he did. Apologize. I mean, even though you um, I believe he did. But Jeremy yeah. is kind of, he's just kind of an awkward dude in ghost form. From what I understand is he was a little bit more aggressive, but I wouldn't say he was dangerous. Oh my God. That was a dog I saw on the bottom of my camera. <laughs> Can't handle this. So that is Jeremy. And then you have another shadow figure. And it's not clear if this is the same shadow figure as the man in black or a separate entity. But I have a different story for you anyways. So with this particular shadow figure, the staff of Asylum 49, they were walking around doing their thing and they felt a presence behind them. And when they turned to look at, like, thinking, oh, it's someone else that got, you know, left behind or whatever, they turned to look, and there was a large black figure behind And when they saw it, it crawled up the wall to the ceiling and disappeared. Vomitous. Yeah. So that's the shadow figure. Um, And then you have Nurse Maria. Nurse Maria guards a spiritual portal that was confirmed by a medium. And according to the medium, the portal is like a bright light that attracts the deceased spirits to said light. And Maria is turning them away because either, there's a couple things, either the portal will not lead them into a peaceful afterlife 
or she's just hogging the portal to herself because she does let some spirits cross into it and others she does not. I don't know if Maria is good. Or I also do not know if Maria is the nurse in white. I don't think she is. I don't think she is. She sounds like a portal bouncer. Yeah, either that or she's she doesn't want like the pure beings to like go in. But what if, know, it's, if it's not actually what if it's a fake portal that leads to like a not peaceful afterlife? Then she's a fucking saint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what if it's the portal that leads to peace and serenity? Yeah, then she's a fucking is, bitch. Oh. I'm just saying, I don't <laughs> know. Nobody know. <laughs> well, somebody might know. I don't know. Okay. I want to talk to Maria now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna become a medium, y'all. Okay. I'll go there. I'll talk to Maria for for you two. Um, the real question <laughs> is, do you have that medium ing skill? Yeah, true. You you really need to like. You got to be born that way. I think you really do. I mean, I think you really do, and then you just kind of discover your powers a lot later because you I, can write her a letter, Maria, or a medium. Yeah. Okay, but both. Why would you write Maria I would write a letter? A medium a letter. Then I would ask her <laughs> to give it to Maria when she contacts Maria. Yes. Okay, but how does Maria respond to the letter unless she just goes through the medium? So in that case, just ask the fucking medium. Well, I would be there. So I would write the medium a letter. I would go to travel to her. Then I would travel with her to... This is all very complicated. <laughs> I would it is, it is a little convoluted. I would... <laughs> it, it is. It's way too complicated. I agree. <laughs> Good hell. Okay. Other named spirits are Richard, Peter, Jessica, Ned, James, and many, many more. Those are just the ones I have written down. I didn't go into stories on these other ones, um, namely because I didn't have them. But I do have one more where they talk about little girls, just like creepy spirit little girls that, to my understanding, are not Sarah, because when they see these little girls, they can expect someone to die as well. So that's, that's fun. I will say... Um, in case you guys did not know, uh, demons typically will take on the form of little girls. So if you do see a ghost little girl, probably run the other direction because it's most likely a demon. That's exactly why I don't like little kid ghosts, especially little girls, because they're creepy as fuck. They're seen as vulnerable, you know, they're innocent and yes, they could do no harm. They are demons. Yes. And then they giggle and no. Is that why in a lot of haunted movies and stuff, demons or, you know, bad ghosts or what have you are depicted as like younger girls and stuff? Most likely is, but I'm just wondering if y'all know. Probably. I don't know. It could just be the fear fear element of it. Yeah, true. Because the surprise attack. Yeah. Yeah, because you lower your guard for a child. Not me. I'm like, what are you? No, thank you. Are you an adult yet? No. <laughs> Get the fuck away from me. Nope. As uh, karate trap the shit out of you. <laughs> I don't care if you're living or not. Get away from me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not that mean to living children. Okay. Um. So those are the ghosts that I have stories about. Now we're going to just talk about ghost adventures and some of their experiences because... You know, they're drama queens. And I love that they're drama queens. That is why I watch them. So, 
their first visit in 2011. They do notice that there are like cold air or cold chills that happen in sets of threes. And they're like, oh, cool. The devil's here. Like, no big deal. Let's just egg him on because they're dumb like that. Anyways, um, they do capture a lot of footsteps that they hear. Aaron feels someone grab him. They pick up an EVP that just says Zach's name. And it says Zach Baggins. Baggins. I, I never looked up how to say his name, so I really don't fucking know. And I don't listen when he talks. So <laughs> there's that. You cracked me up. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So good old Zach, he's now a target because they're like, oh, he's here. This is going to be fun. Um, And then they do an experiment with the Jacob's Ladder. Have you guys ever heard of a Jacob's Ladder? Yes. I know they've got some cat's cradle, but I have no clue what it is or what it means. So when you are ghost hunting... It is basically, I'm going to be using visual elements here. So for those of you just listening, bear with me. So it's like two poles, two metal poles that are pointed up. And then they have energy or like electricity coming up between them. And like electricity you can see. So you can see the spark going between them. And the idea is that that gives a spirit energy and they can pull that energy to manifest or do whatever. And so that's what the Jacob's Ladder is. They use this Jacob's Ladder, and the reason they use the Jacob's Ladder is because a different, it, probably Hugo, used the Jacob's Ladder and had a violent experience with it. And so they thought, well, we want a violent experience with it, so let's do the Jacob's Ladder. And so they did, and what they, because, you know, they like to provoke the ghosts, which, you're fucking stupid for doing that. What if it's a demon? Thank you. Agreed. Yeah. So... They were very much provoking. So whenever someone was talking and like if it was Nick doing the provoking, you would actually see that energy being pulled towards Nick, like that electric uh, electrical spark between the two. You could see it. It looked like it was literally being pulled towards Nick. Or if it was Zach doing the shit talking, you could see it being pulled. Like imagine a string and it's tied between two things and you like pull it, pull it towards one direction. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like a Ouija board, but it's a string. No. Kind of? Uh, no, because a Ouija board is way worse. So let's not. We don't play with Ouija boards. Cody sort of fucked that up. And that's Dude, why my house One of my friends haunted. has a Ouija board. And literally every time I go over to her house, we like try to contact like okay. extraterrestrial beings. First it's so of all, you're going to get your ass fucking haunted doing that you're gonna be possessed doing that shit cody has had it's her, it's her parents house not mine. it does not Girl, matter they I, can attach to you it will you. follow you home mm-hmm. yeah y'all are doing real white people shit i do not fuck with we do boards. not look you no. are white it does not matter <laughs> we're not i'm not that white <laughs> i am half mexican i don't do that shit thank you uh-uh okay technically i am Oh, I need to look. No, never mind. I, I was going to say something, but technically I'm like one half, not half. I'm like a fifth Native American, but I'd have to check. Oh, I'm like a 16th Native American. Maybe like a 32nd. I don't fucking know. It's way back there. Anyways. So back to the story. Back to what I was saying. 
So they're playing with the Jacob's Ladder and they hear a noise out in the hallway and Nick and Aaron run out and be like, who's there? You know, like big, tough, whatever. And during this time, Zach is dramatically thrown against the wall by an unseen force. Like, push, I shouldn't say thrown. He was pushed into the wall by an unseen force. He probably deserved it. Definitely deserved it, is what I'm going to say. Okay, so he gets pushed into the wall and he is freaking out because, I mean, who the hell pushes Zach? All of the ghosts push Zach. <laughs> anyway, so at the same time that Zach is pushed, like the energy in the Jacob's Ladder is like way bigger and more like intense than any other time. So that was definitely a weird coincidence. Uh, and then they also do get some infrared anomalies and they hear doors slam and uh, Aaron continues to get grabbed. And just before the static, what am I, t- hold on. My notebook is fighting me. Time out. Close that. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so Aaron gets grabbed and just before he does a static night vision camera captures a mist in the same area of where he was grabbed so that shit is spooky um Zach hears growling but I think Zach always hears growling they do a spirit box and that's the one where it's really loud wait what do you mean you think that Zach always hears growling he always hears something he's always like did you hear that yeah did you hear that? Did you like see at this that? Point, he, so he probably like, just has tinnitus. Like the person that they pay extra to like go in and be like, hey, make make sure that you like make the audience go back and like check all of these things so that we can get more view. I, I just I'm just saying Zach's a little dramatic. I'm not saying his experiences have not happened. I do, however, think he exaggerates his experiences like a door slammed. But it was actually a leaf hitting the window. So you're right. Okay, I I my dog has that same issue. Drama queens. Okay, that's what I'm saying. Literally, a leaf will hit the window and he'll go berserk. That's my point. That is my point. Um, Then they're doing the spirit box, and the spirit box is the one that's really loud and annoying. It goes because it's going through all the. I hope you like my sound effects. The uh, it's going through all the frequencies. And Mm -hmm. Zach asks why it's harassing people. And whoever responds says, you're talking to me. And to me, that says, I'm not harassing someone. You're harassing me, Zach. What you want to say about that? Zach did not take it that way, in case you were wondering. Um, But that's how I read into it. And then seconds later, a ball moves on its own. They have it like sitting in front of a static static night vision camera. And then this ball moves. Um, and then Zach claims to see two shadow figures again. I I don't know. It was not caught on camera. He just claims to see them. And then in another spirit box, they, Zach asks, he wants to hear their pain. And the spirit box picks up a woman's screams. And that shit was creepy as hell. And that was just their first visit. That was in 2011. And then. When they came back in 2017, good old Billy, Billy opens his mouth and he goes, someone should spend the night here by themselves. And guess who got told he was it? Was it Billy? It was Billy. Good job, Billy. You proud of yourself? Go, Billy. Are you fucking proud of yourself? Well, he done did it. So <laughs> I feel like they should have like asked two people to spend the night, you know, because like 
one person is like the witness, then one person is the. That's what the cameras are for. Person, right? Well, that's what the cameras are for. Okay, okay. I, I don't need two people. Billy can be in there by himself. He can go he get possessed by a demon, grown man. He's a grown ass man, and he is the one that opened his mouth and then was voluntold that he was staying the damn night. So while Billy is staying the night, they do hook him up to an EKG machine so that they can kind of monitor his heart rate and blah, 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 blah. Um, And during the night, he hears thudding. He feels something touching him. And while it's touching him, his EKG is going absolutely ape shit. Mine would be too, because I'd be like, don't fucking touch me. Don't fucking touch me. Yes. So can't blame him there. And then Billy finally falls asleep. How? I do don't know but he does it and while he's asleep a door slams really loud waking him up and that door slamming is actually caught on camera so they you can actually see the door slam closed that was creepy as hell because if that was real i don't want any part of it um and then the next night when they i'm assuming it's the next night i don't actually know the timeline billy sleeps there another night goes by and the next time they're in there when they're doing their actual investigation Aaron feels something grab his ear. Again, Aaron is getting grabbed. I might, if I were Aaron, I might want to talk to my employer and say that he's being sexually assaulted because anyone (laughs) touching me would be sexual assault. I don't give a shit. Time out, though. Time out, okay? There is. (laughs) We're going to get into a story time. Where I was working. I guess I'm working there right now, but my last day is Friday. Anyways, by the time this comes out, I'm not working there anymore. We have a call center and there is a girl there or there was a girl there came up behind. So she was working at the call center at this clinic and she came up behind one of her coworkers and licked their ear. They were not that okay. close. But I think it's different if you lick someone's ear versus just, you know, like touch it. How do you, you know? know that ghost was not licking his ear? Hold on. Are you trying to die? <laughs> Is that is that her goal in life? You can't just you can't just how do you I mean literally yeah what? you can't just goes through she your fucking mind. You are a grown ass woman. Um she did not get in any trouble for that to our knowledge. She also quit not long after that. So um there's that. Um, Amanda, I don't think the person that was attacked by being licked on the ear reported it. I think she told people after that Satan had left the building. I guarantee you she told a therapist. And if not, then I'm worried about her mental well-being. I think yeah, we're literally. all worried about her, okay? Would she? I, oh, I will oh, share I my anxiety medicine. I will give her some. Talk for a second about how like my fucking TV turned on without like me even doing anything. Was that like, just what now? That was Robert. Yeah. Did, did y- like, did y'all see when I like went over there and I had to like turn off the TV? Like, it was shining like um, lights and stuff ma- and the camera. Man, that's because you're playing with fucking Ouija boards and something went home with you. Okay. Literally, no. I've never in my life experienced like any sort of technically i have but i swear it was my friend just playing with us on the ouija board i don't i honestly don't think that her house is haunted you, or anything it doesn't like. matter you could you right. playing with a ouija board means that anything can be attracted to there because they're looking for an opening and you're giving them the opening it could be a demon it could be a spirit 
It could be any number of things and you are opening a door for them to come through and you are not able to force them back through that damn door. If you're not doing things properly, you don't fuck with Ouija boards. I am passionate about this. You don't this has fuck been a with PSA. Ouija boards. Bob Rice from Hell on Hills podcast. <laughs> <laughs> don't fuck with Ouija boards. Okay. Cody has experiences with them and I don't want anything to do with them because I'm not dumb. He is. I let him be dumb. My name is Amanda, and I support this message. My name is Brianna, and I think that you should do whatever you want with whatever you want. Just be safe. Ouija boards are not safe, so inherently you cannot be safe with a Ouija board. Just make sure you know what you're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. Just make sure that you look on the internet first and look on Google. Google doesn't know anything about spirits. I'm just fucking with you with this point. I can't. You have me triggered. <laughs> I really Don't fuck with Ouija boards, Bree. I mean, seriously, though. Like, that was, like, literally two plus years ago. I mean, the last time that I, like, went over to her house, she's kind of, like, we don't really talk much anymore. You also um, could have just picked something up out and about. Because I personally have dropped a spirit off at work. I never came And at your house, too. Oh, what no, no, no. I, dude? We we won't get into that. I we don't talk about the spirits of my husband's life. I blame him. Um, we can get into that another Your time. Husband's life. Um, because they're his spirits. I did not have any experiences until I met Cody, so it's his fault. I don't like it. Point is, we're gonna move on. He boards without you knowing, girl. He told me in secrecy. Oh, no, he used to play with Ouija boards. I know he used to. He's told me. Now he will not. That's it. That's where we leave it. Okay, next. Um, Aaron sees a thing. What? I just said, please get on with the story. I'm fucking trying, damn it. (laughs) So next, Aaron sees a figure in a room, and that room just so happens to be the room in which the door was slammed that woke Billy up the night that Billy spent the night there. And he, like, does a huge double take. Like, he walks past it, sees it out of the corner of his eye, and then, like, runs back in. Which, why? I don't know. Like, let's not be a hero, Aaron. Stop it. And then Zach hears something whisper in his ear. Uh, They capture a voice, say, please help me. Thank you for that. And I'm back home. Um, Which, oddly enough, somehow Zach, Aaron, Nick, and Billy were like, yeah, we helped him. I don't know what they did. But they took credit for something, and I will just say, go team, go. Um, Zach then asks, do you want to talk to us? And there's a gurgled voice response. Maybe multiple were talking to him, or maybe it was just like, I don't want to talk to you. Nobody knows. So there's that. Um, And then some of their other experiences include apparitions, shadows, mists, orbs, voices, footsteps, and touching. So that is Asylum 49. It was open on Halloween. They still do offer full contact haunted house. I feel like even if you have chosen no to be not full contact, a ghost is probably going to touch you. So please be aware. This is my PSA about Asylum 49. No, I have not been. I do not plan to go. It's also closed now. But they do offer ghost tours and like ghost hunting. So what you're saying is that next year... I'm going to book us a trip to go to Asylum 49. And y'all are all going to come, right? If by um, us, 
you mean you and only you then yes that was accurate the ghost tours can be done any time of the year if i am if i remember correctly i could be wrong who knows i'm wrong about a lot of things that's fine just don't tell a ghost tour i would go on i would go on a ghost tour before i went to a this is how strongly i feel about this shit i would go on a ghost tour before i went to a haunted house a full contact haunted house i agree i agree i would do a ghost tour before a full contact haunted house i have however gone through a haunted house that will like touch you not like inappropriately but they will not drag you around i can handle that um to an extent but i don't think i would do it again because i was like don't don't touch me okay but and this is just an idea on our one year anniversary of the day that we posted, aka Saturday, October 31st, October 31st, they do not offer ghost hunting on Halloween. But we should most definitely book ourselves like a haunted house or something like that. I feel like that would be so legit and we should do it like live. That would be fucking awesome, right? What if we have to record that? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, that'd be fun. Um, live, right? That's going to be why. For our Patreon viewers. Well, that's going to be why we need more people to support us on Patreon so that we yeah. can actually meet in person and have an excuse shameless to go plug. ghost. Yeah. Sh- oh, I have no shame. Thank you. This is why. So that we can meet each other in person and go ghost hunting and tell you guys who touched who and what happened and who was sexually harassed by a ghost. Cause it will probably be me. I and touched I won't Bryce like with a candlestick in the quarter, quarter, corridor. <laughs> Please follow us on Patreon so that we can actually do this because I will legit force these girls into fucking going. Like we are doing this shit <laughs> and it doesn't even well, have to be, be happy about it. It could literally be in like, I don't know, like say, February, March. I don't even care. As long uh, as- I have a new job I'm starting. I'm not going to have time off in February or March. So let's say a year. Let's do this. Christmas present for 2022, y'all. We want you guys to fly us to the same state. Whoever's paying. I don't give a shit who's paying. It's just not me. Mm-hmm. Um, fly us to the same state. We will go on a haunted tour and we'll go get scared shitless. And then we'll fly home and that will be our Christmas present. So Merry Christmas to us. Everyone needs to start start supporting our Christmas dreams. How about this? Whoever pays for it gets to choose the location. So whichever story was your favorite haunted story, what whatever it was, it doesn't even matter. Ooh, ooh, send us to a mystery location that we haven't talked about and then we can talk about it. And we'll have we really be like a little ghost adventure. Okay, so y'all fun. are seriously on the verge of getting us kidnapped. Bro, I'm so excited. Um, Let's go. I'm sorry. You also have to pay for our significant others to come along. Um, you will get to see yeah. me verbally abuse my husband and him verbally abuse me back. Okay, it is mutual. We love each other. But I, I didn't say you. It was me and Cody. That sounds um, horrible. We. <laughs> Do talk to each other, but we talk to each other through insults. Yes. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like I've said this before, but like, I just, I'm so fucking sensitive. I could not. James just buys me food and I'm happy and it works. Food is also, okay. (laughs) Presents slash food. Food, 75%. 
presence 25%. I just need someone to hang out with me and talk shit about the same people that I talk shit about. Oh, great. That's all I need out of a relationship. Mm -hmm. And that's what I got with Cody. And now we find people to talk shit about every single day of our lives. And it's wonderful. (laughs) A lot of times it's each other that we're talking shit about, but it's fine. Works. Doesn't matter. So, all right, guys, thanks for listening to Hell on Heels podcast. Um, please follow us on Instagram and Twitter, Hell on Heels podcast. If you want to support us, you can uh, donate through Patreon, which we have already shamelessly plugged on here. Um, if you have your own true crime or paranormal stories, please email us at hellonheelspodcast at gmail.com. A big shout out to Amanda's husband, James, for creating our intro music. Um, And then be sure to like, review, and subscribe. Um, I only accept five-star reviews, though. So you're going to have to just do five stars all the way through. Yeah. Take that one-star shit and put it on, I don't know, something else. Um, Give Cody the one star. But give (gasps) me the five stars. I'll take it. Okay, bye. Bye.